I never remembered the attack. Like I never had any memory of it. Never couldn't, you know, could never go there. There was a, everything was vague from the entire evening. I don't even, I, I can't, I couldn't even tell you, I knew the bar I was in because I knew the bar and it was obviously part of the story and the court case and everything else. But uh, I had no memory. And when I started to unravel the trauma, I went back to, I did a, uh, it was a, a lot of neurofeedback. I did a course called 40 Years of Zen mm-hmm. and they put you in these pods and you do the the trauma release. And in that moment, I saw it clear as day was, you know, the, the guys and I was shaking. And I remember you could, I could see so much of it. I could see the street. I could see, you know, there was a friend that was with me at the time when the attack happened and he ran and he didn't, it wasn't his fault. He ran, he ran to try and call for help. I remembered so much of it, which I needed to remember to be able to let it go. And I also needed to, you know, and this annoys a lot of people, I think this process, but I needed to forgive them. Hey, this is Chad Namiro. And I'm Kelly Namiro. Welcome to the Balancing Chaos Podcast. A lifestyle podcast where we will interview guests about wellness, business, and just about everything in between. Our goal is to help you develop a lifestyle that promotes health, wholeness, and success. Through our conversations, we hope to inspire you to live a beautiful, full, and joyful life as you navigate balancing the chaos. We hope you enjoy. All right, everyone. We want to welcome back Oliver to the show. And we're going to release these together. So this will be a two-part series. Yeah. In the first episode, we talked a lot about his career, his health practices, a lot of the businesses he's created or uh, has invested in, you know, and just a lot of, you know, some of the strategies he uses to stay on point, be his best self. Yeah. And I think one of the things that like we like we grazed on in that first episode was that a lot of the things that he does, right, whether it's the IVs or therapy or whatever is like were things that he had done um, as a way to deal with a trauma. But we never really touched on what the trauma was. Just ran out of time. Yeah. And so we want to get also quickly. She's been doing the NAD shots on me. I feel great. Yeah. <laughs> so it's another arrow it's in my so quiver. Good. So good. Yeah. So, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. He's been uh, doing it every other day. Um, they feel 50 great. units. Yeah. And I feel like his, he said that his energy and all that stuff yeah, man. feels really good. So it's great. But yeah, we never. You doing it in a stomach or in the bum cheek? Where, where are you taking stomach? it? Stomach. Yeah. And it's I don't, I don't, I don't do them myself. I have my uh, nurse practitioner over here. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that hashtag couples goals right there. Yeah, yeah man. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're not, you're not killing it unless you're injecting yourself uh, uh, or each other rather. Yeah. So tell us, let's go into that story. Um, By the way, welcome back. Thank you for coming back. Yeah. Thank you. We know thank how you. busy we are. Thank you for having me. And let's My beard's talk- a little bit longer, I think. I love it. A couple it of is. weeks of growth. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm like, I'm like a cheer pet everywhere <laughs> but the top of my head. So. <laughs> love it. <laughs> um, Tell us about like take us back to your childhood and to yeah. the trauma that had happened to you. And then um, like, let's bring that full circle for everybody in terms of all of the well, methods. And- even just a little before that growing up, I yeah, think it was, was like? East Sussex, right? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Growing up there. Yeah. So family life, that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a, you know, it was interesting. I'm from a, I'm from a small town called Hastings, which is, you know, an hour and a half, 60 mile outside of London. Um, not really, I mean, definitely not during my time growing up, there wasn't a lot in entertainment. There just wasn't, you know, it was like a lot of factories and local businesses and 
and and you know that's amazing in its own part i think it really brings a town close together it's a very like small bubble um i grew up with three older brothers um and i think you know uh mum wanted a girl um she says she didn't she said she was happy with me but i ended up doing ballet so i was in ballet mm. school from four years old um the only the only guy doing it um <laughs> and then i fell into fell into theater and and that was kind of that was kind of my childhood i mean i played a lot of football with my brothers and my dad so that kind of i guess offset like I, I don't know gave me i had some friends but it was definitely it was it was an odd it was an odd upbringing it really did you was choose um, theater yeah. and ballet yeah, or did nice. your mom choose that i don't for know you? it's still up in the air comes up in conversation <laughs> a lot in our family um i don't i don't know where at four years old i would have been in hastings and seen someone doing ballet where i was like i want to do that um mm -hmm. but my mom says i did she can't remember where it happened but she did say i pushed her into doing it um but look, it's a blessing because I am where I am because of it. So I don't regret any of it, yeah. but it was definitely, it made childhood a bit hard. I mean, I was, I think from a very young age, it it made me feel like I was different. Um, and once again, every part of what I'm going to talk about isn't a negative because truly I really believe like every every moment we're in is where is a, is a result of our past. So I'm mm -hmm. so grateful for my upbringing. Right. Um, but at the time it was really, really hard. Um and then look, everyone has uh, hard, hard childhoods in other ways. And the, the lucky part is I did have supportive parents. I did come from a, you know, a loving family. So I, I'm grateful for that. But, you know, trying to fit in, I think from from the from the earliest age I can remember, I never thought I fit, I, I fit in. And I think doing ballet made that even harder, right? Now yeah. suddenly I'm, I'm this kid doing ballet and my friends are going to meet in the park and my mum's driving me to yeah. ballet school and, you know, um, I think it wasn't until I was about 12 or 13, I, I, I realized I was like, mom, I probably don't need all this lipstick. You know, like when you're putting me on stage, I probably, you probably could tone down the mascara and the lipstick a little bit. Oh, you're doing um, the whole, okay. Yeah. Oh, I was doing Real the whole thing. I was competing, okay. I was competing in music festivals and dance yeah. competitions all, all around the UK. I was doing ballet, tap and modern. Yeah. So I was doing all three. Um, yeah, I was, I was that kid. Um, and it was, it was definitely hard, you know, yeah, teased. We teased made fun of. Yeah, yeah. It's it really yeah, interesting massively. too to like look at you. It's just unexpected, right? And I think that's just one of those things like never judge a book by its cover because it's like I don't know how you were as a kid, but like looking at you now and like meeting you in adulthood, you're like more of a man's man. Like you're you got the tattoos and the beard, and like I would never expect like the ballet makeup story yeah. to come out. Yeah, well, as I said, the beard is more because I started losing it up here, so I'm trying to compensate. I think the tattoos yeah. were my way of protecting myself. At 15, yeah. I got my first tattoo, and yeah. I used the fake ID, and I think that was like because maybe people would think I was tough then. So I think there's a reason for it all. But, yeah, I mean, I, I'm also, a, you know, an artist, so I love being creative, and I guess tattoos yeah. are that way of, yeah. you know, a little bit of art. But, yeah, it was it was strange. And, you know, when I look back on my childhood and things we uncover as we get older and, you know, the work we do and the self-work, you kind of realize a lot. You have those moments of like, Oh my God, I didn't even realize that. But, you know, I never really had that many friends growing up, which is why people now are like, Oh, do you speak to anyone from back home? And I'm like, no, cause I never really had any friends, it, you know, not, yeah. not close enough friends that I kept mm -hmm. in contact with. And what was me was normal was like my parents, you know, an example of that, which I thought was normal in my entire life until I, you know, went into therapy and started doing things. I was like, oh my God, that was so messed up. But my parents would give me like a pound lunch money. And most of the time I would split that lunch money with my two friends at the time. I would give them 50p each to be my friend. 
Aww. you know, like, and I didn't realize how messed up that was until getting older. And I was like, Oh my God, you used to take my money to be your, to be my friend. Um, <laughs> which by the way, caught up with me down the line because that became normal. I got, I thought I had to always impress people or buy people or yeah. give people gifts because that was my core belief, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I was, I was in theater school. Um, I was always, you know, doing theater from a young age and, and there was a place in London called pineapple dance where you'd go and you'd line up and you audition for different bands or boy bands or theater touring groups. And, and that was really, you know, everything that I did for as long as I can remember. Um, I, my life kind of changed a bit when I was like 15, I had a, uh, I'd left school, um, and I was going into theater, theater college. And I got, uh, I got meningitis. They called it extremely late. My parents at the time kept taking me into the doctors. It was over about a 48-hour period being like, he's sick. And they were like, it's the flu. And then finally, I got taken into a, uh, the hospital ward. My mom kind of pushed them to do it. She was like, there's something wrong with my son. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with him. You have to keep him in. And, uh, and I woke up that night uh, on, the, on the public ward, which was even more chaotic when they realized what it was because I had been around so many people. But... Um, it was like 2 a.m. and I, I pressed the buzzer because I had no energy and I, I needed to use the, the toilet. And they came over and they wheeled me to a, a bathroom, switched the light on, and I was covered like head to toe in these big blotches. Um, and that was it. I fell into like fell into a coma and went into high dependency and, and was in hospital for quite a while. And that wow. kind of like shifted this like way of life that I had. And when I came out of hospital, you know, luckily I survived. And, and you know, through that, I think... I had a lot of realizations and was like, oh, so, you know, the moments where you're like, oh, I'm so grateful for life, but it never really registered like on a real core level. It was just more of like, okay, I'm out of hospital now, but I had, it was weird. And the reason I'm telling the story is it, it was a weird, it was weird years as a teenager. Like I had a catheter, at, you know, strapped to my, up my, I don't know, yeah. you know, penis, yeah. let's just say it. Um, <laughs> and I would have, you know, that changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was strange. It was just a weird time in my life. And, and something that once again, I don't know if it's just English people. I don't know how it is in the U S and I think it's got better everywhere, but you just never, those moments during your years as like a teenager or a child or anything, if you don't talk about them, you're just suppressing them. And that's mm. all I did. Right. I just suppressed it. Yeah. Um, and then went on to the next thing and then, you know, recovered from that and, and was healthy again. And, you know, the liver, liver was the, my organ that was harmed the most from it, but your liver is an amazing organ because it does repair itself as well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. over time started to get better. Um, and then, you know, joined, went back into the thick of it again. And, and I was, I was part of this band at the time. Um, it was called dream kids. Um, it was so cheesy. It was basically, uh, there was, there was five girls and five guys and we would, the guys would all do boy band covers. <laughs> And the girls would do girl band covers and then we would reunite <laughs> for certain songs. And we would go around the UK to basically all the theaters that were never getting the big band. Mm -hmm. So we were like, the dream kids were for more like, you know, I guess, you know, the areas of poverty that, you know, the big boy bands were visiting because there right. was no one there to go. So that was our, our job. And, and I loved it. And, and at the time we signed the deal to go on P and O cruises, which is like our, uh, you know, our European cruise liner. We were going to do a six month tour. So I'd done about two months of rehearsals and we, we had all the routines down and, and I went back to, we did it in a place called Norwich, which was about three hours from where I, my hometown was. And so I went back home that weekend to, to kind of like say bye to the family and everything. And I went out on the Friday night with some friends and, and the family and basically went to this local bar 
And I was walking back down the street and uh, I was 18 at the time and out of nowhere just got jumped by three guys. Um, So uh, first one on the back of my head, knocked me out. Um, Thank God they had these uh, in England. uh, They still have the the rougher neighborhoods. They have the cameras, the the big brother cameras that are watching, you know, 24 seven and it's monitored by the police. So the police saw it happening. Um, and, and they got there after, I think about seven or eight minutes, but yeah, in that time, the first punch knocked me out. I fell to the ground face first, and then they just stabbed on me, um, for all of like seven or eight minutes and, and basically killed me. So I was, I, police came, um, pronounced me dead on the scene. Um, ambulance arrived, uh, got the defibrillators on me. It was wow. pretty close. Um, literally, I thought yeah, the meningitis but- was the trauma. No, this is the trauma. I did too at the time. I did no, I did too at the time. I thought, oh my 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 uh, my dark days are over. Um, wow, just a yeah, robbery? I, I just, I, I, for what purpose? Nothing. I didn't even steal anything. Just a just a hate this... hate attack. Like I I mean I did I did stick out at the time. I had long blonde highlights. I was wearing like okay, you know, I was that I was a different I was a different okay. kid. Um, and I'm happy I was a different kid. Um, but it was a yeah, it was a complete random attack. Sadistic. Um, and I got rushed to the local hospital. That all the guys were caught. They were all caught. They all got sent Good. to jail um, because it was so caught. So you didn't, and you didn't know who they were. Like it wasn't like somebody you guys, yeah. you had gone to school with or anything like that. One of them I knew of. He was a local guy. The other the other two I hadn't. But there was a there there was a that evening there was a, a Southie Strongest Man competition, mm-hmm. and they had all competed in the Strongest Man competition. And then I think gone out on a bit of a rampage and had too much to drink. And, you know, I actually wasn't the only one that they had. There was another guy that same evening that they put in hospital. They hit him once and broke his nose and he was in hospital. Um, But for for, for me, they really went to town on it. Um, So, yeah, I was in hospital. um, Had no, you know, I was I was out of it. Uh, My parents got the phone call, basically like your son's on life support. Um, My parents still to this day say it's a miracle that they didn't die because the way my dad drove to that hospital, I guess, was not the safest. Um, (laughs) And 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 luckily, I didn't I didn't I didn't die. And I went through like a year of, you know, the my jaw was completely shattered, um, completely broken. There was nothing left. Uh, My teeth were, you know, I'd been stamped on the curb. So all my mouth was gone. Um, I had to have multiple bone graft surgeries up here. Um, Reconstruction of my entire jaw. Um, but it was crazy. My mum and my mum still tells this story. She had just been reading about it like six months ago. There was a, uh, a famous doctor who worked at the East Grinstead hospital, which is the queen Victoria hospital about half an hour from where we lived, um, who had done this, performed this facial surgery for one of the first times where they did all the stitching from the inside, like the jaw was snapped and they did it. And I, you won't pick it up, but if I undo that, that's what they did with me. So I have mine, I don't have scarring. And so my parents signed wow. a consent thing for them to try this operation and they did my entire jaw. Um, yeah. Reconstruction. So uh, my mom's, my mom always, you know, she's Irish. She likes to think she's a kind of a witch and she knows everything, you know, so she read it and she believed that it was meant to, I was meant to have it done by him. Um, and yeah, they say, I mean, look, the hospital saved my life the second time, um, same hospital as well. And so then I went to East Grinstead for all the um, facial surgery and it was about a year a year process because they couldn't put any teeth in my mouth. They couldn't do any implants or any uh, uh, stuff. Sorry, my phone keeps slipping um, until the jaw was healed. So I was then on liquidized foods. Oh my God. um, Which was, you know, it's own, it's own battle in itself because my mum used to sit the entire family at the dinner table would make me my English roast dinner, show me it on a plate and then put it in a blender. 
so I felt like I was I was uh, joining in with everyone which didn't really sit well and you know it, it everything that went on in that transition is crazy to me now to to realize that and then nothing to do with my parents I mean that the only reason I'm here is truly because of my parents because I think if it wasn't for them I, I might have I, I might have just disappeared like I was so close to just not wanting to be on this planet for any more, any longer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, I would eat the food. I would go throw it up. You know, I had bulimia. I didn't even know I had bulimia, but I would never keep any food down for over a year. I would tell them I was eating it, but I just couldn't. So you were making a, even like wanna... an active choice to throw up food. It wasn't like you couldn't yeah, like I was just keep so... it down. No, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to. It was. I was so over it. I was so didn't over live. having liquid. Yeah. 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 I just. I was. I was in a. I was in a, a massive depression uh you know depression yeah and i didn't yeah. know where to turn and no one ever said to me do you want to talk to someone um and was it, it was anger? it was pretty dark and i think to anger sadness i think it vengeance, was i think it was i think it was above. fear 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 probably yeah fear, which 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 played a big part in my life and i think when i started to feel you know, and I owe a lot to my parents because they really were the ones that were my, you know, my, my, my rock in it all. Um, mm. And I started to feel a bit better. The surgery started to work. Like I didn't look like, a, I never forget my reflection when I was leaving the hospital. My mum was pushing me out in a wheelchair, the, the, the sliding doors, and I was like a monster. You know, yeah. um, and look, I'm a, I'm a, I come from a world of entertainment. I was a vain performer. Like I, I value, yeah, you know, you look at yourself in the mirror a lot. So I was like, that's gone. Um, but it, but, but, you know, um, all my respect to the doctors and that, because I started to feel normal again. And I started to do that. And at the time my parents had, uh, filed a claim with the criminal injuries compensation, uh, the government, because one of the guys shouldn't have, you know, been on the, I think he had been released from prison early and he shouldn't have actually been on the street anyway. So we, we sued. And we got like, I think it was around 12, 13,000 pound, which to me was a lot of money, um, mm -hmm. which is about at the time with the exchange rate was about 20,000 bucks. And uh, a friend of mine was, was in the U S um, in LA and, and, and just was like, you know, you should come visit. And I started to, you know, I used that money to get back into this world of entertainment and, yeah. and came to America. So I always use this entire thing. I think because of the way my mum used to, you know, my mum's like a walking fridge magnet. She's got a quote for everything. <laughs> and so she would always, she would always be positive and tell me these things. And I think I started to believe it. I started to believe like, you know, life happens for a reason. And now I'm in America and I've got this incredible life and, you know, everything is great. And, and this is where I'm meant to be. And I, and I live with that, that, you know, mindset, which definitely helped me get through it. But at the end of the day, I would say in my thirties, it really started to catch up with me. And so I think, you, you know, when I say, I, yeah. I was just going to say, so you kind of feel like you didn't, almost didn't process what had happened because it was like, I'm just going to move to the States and like move on with my life and like get on and get over exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like the typical, like, I think, you know, what, when you're trying to escape something, you know, that location change that we, mm. that, that people do, you know, like it's bad breakup. I'm just going to move and I'll get over that person. You know, I guess that was my way of, you know, uh, just moving on from it, which I think really did help because I think the change of scenery and this new way of like uh, excitement and the American dream and, you know, yeah. my life that started to unfold here was amazing. Um, 
at least from the outside. But the right. trouble was the inside had never been dealt with. And I, and I was just, you know, living in fear, which to me was normal because that, that fear, you know. that feeling yeah. of fear became such a part of my life that yeah. it was just normal. I didn't even know anything was wrong until I started to actually peel it, peel it back. Yeah. And then I was like, oh my God, this is how I've been living. Like I'm just, I was scared every single day. I was scared if I got into a relationship, my go-to thought would be like, it's going to end. If I got a job, it would be like, it's going to end. If I got any, anything, if I'm in the back of a car, it's going to crash. Like yeah. everything was that, Anxiety. which sounds so crazy to say it because that seems like I was a crazy person, but mm. I wasn't. I, I was, I seemed normal. It was just inside. That was my, that was my thought 24 seven. It's not crazy. She, it's different, but she's, I don't want to say suffers from this, but she, and I talk about this all the time because she always comes at it from the point of, well, everything in my life is oh is yeah going well. Like everything is going so well. Like it has to come to an end. Like that's or my... just expecting something bad to happen because so many good things have happened. Right. And we're just very fortunate. Right. Right. And so what I was going to say with that a little bit, definitely. And I think that, I think that it all comes back to like that, that fear based mentality. And I think that, that, um, I wanted to bring it back to one of the things that you mentioned kind of in the very beginning of your story was like you splitting the money, like between, you know, those two kids who like you paid to be your friends. And it's like those smaller experiences and then combine them with like bigger experiences inform our beliefs about what, you know, we are deserving of and like what is or is not going to happen to us in the future. Um, and all of that is kind of like what compounds the fear when you're having that on a day to day. So like, I'm highly aware of like what he had said, like of the fact that it's I, a bad thing. that I it's think just, that way, it's um, actually, you're, you're almost grateful. Yeah. It's grateful, way. but like, know how lucky you are to an extent. What I wanted to ask Oliver was that when you kind of, I'm guessing at this point you've been through, through therapy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've done, I've tried everything. I've done traditional therapy. I've done neurofeedback. I've done EMDR. I've done, you know, right. trauma release. I've done absolutely everything and I will still continue. I've done ketamine IVs. I mean, we yeah, spoke yeah. about we a lot of that, that yeah. stuff on the because first episode. Yeah. you have to, you have to unravel it. You right. know? And I'd stuck it down so far that I, I wasn't even aware of it. In, in like whatever, if it was like a more traditional therapy model or like, you know, um, cognitive behavioral therapy or whatever, like where you're looking back at the experiences of your life, were there any realizations that you had, or were there any like coping mechanisms that they had given you to deal with the continual fear that you had coming up based off of those experiences? You mean that directly after or what I figured like, out now? Like, yeah, what you figured out now after going through all of those different modalities, like, are there any, like, because we talked a lot about, like you said, the, like the ketamine IVs and like those, um, like we talked about NAD shots, but like the more like cognitive, like mental tools that you may have now after going through therapy and like those different types of things to unravel some Just of this. Settle the mind, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think for me, and I don't know if this answers the question, but for me, it's like, and I kind of want to say like, and that's why all of us have had our own journey. And I think every every one of us has had trauma, right? To some Great. extent, whether it was like a comment one person made in a school playground at four years old, 
that is no different to what happened to me. And, and it's crazy as it sounds, mine was physical, but through through our upbringing, we, we some little moment puts that message in us that that is our core belief. And my core yeah. belief from even before the attacks, before that happened, the reason I was sharing my lunch money is because I thought I wasn't good enough, right? So, right. so that then played a part and maybe getting beaten up wasn't the, the 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 attack didn't happen for any other reason it wasn't because of that but that probably like just reinforced the fact that i'm not good enough or i don't deserve right. a good life or i don't deserve something so for me it was about the the awareness the awareness is what i got from those everything i did mm-hmm. it didn't suddenly fix me and it doesn't fix me i still wake up sometimes and think oh my god you know what's gonna that the only difference is for me now is I have an awareness to know that that thought isn't real. Yeah. Yes. Okay. As opposed to, as opposed to consuming the thought still happens. Yeah. It doesn't consume me and it doesn't, and it doesn't, I don't believe it. Mm -hmm. So I might still have a moment where I'm like, you're in, you're this, or you're a failure or you're not good enough, or this is all going to end. But it now doesn't consume me to the point that I believe it. It might last five seconds. It might last five minutes. Um, depending on what action I take to stop it. You know, if I'm stuck in a car and I'm not doing the right thing and I'm stuck with that thought, it will probably last longer. If I can just take a moment and breathe and get on my knees and pray or surrender to it or whatever, it'll probably go away a bit quicker. Mm. So I don't think it's like I'm suddenly, you know, uh, this, you know, spiritual guru. Yeah, where I'm like, oh my God, I overcome all my fear. Fear is still there. It's just I have an awareness that I didn't have before because I think the most dangerous part of the way I was living before was I didn't even know it was there. It was just normal to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'd never expressed it and I wouldn't express it. So how could I ever know life was any different? I just assumed everyone kind of lived that way. Everyone was just putting on a mask and pretending that life was fine, but it really isn't. You know, I, right. I, it, it, that, that's the only shift now. Um, and with that, the awareness, the thought doesn't last as long. It doesn't consume me. So life is a lot, lot better. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, I love that. I think that, I think that that's the beauty of whether it's meditation or therapy or, or whatever modality it is that you want to use or a combination of all the things is that you do create awareness, which is something that so many people don't walk around with these days we just have this compilation of thoughts and a lot of them are fear-based thoughts and irrational thoughts um but we are constantly taking action that are aligned with those thoughts that we don't necessarily that aren't really Mm -hmm. serving Mm -hmm. us anymore and so the fact that you've done that and you're like okay yeah this is a part of me and this is here but I don't have to act on it anymore. Like I don't have to, like one of the things that you said that really resonated with me was um, this idea of like buying your friends. Um, just like full transparency coming from the family that I came from, I always used to have that limiting belief where it was like, oh, they really are only my friends because I take, you know, 20 mm-hmm. people out to dinner. And like, this is me like supporting everybody at this table. And so it was something that I did for so long, but now it's like, screw that. Like if they're my friend, they're my friend. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. like I I'm going to take a different action this time. And like the thought will still pop into my head, but it doesn't mean I have to align my action with that thought. Of course, of course. And then you're choosing to do action. If you choose to buy your friend, 20 friends dinner, it's because you want to, not because you're trying to get something from it. And that, yeah, yeah, that, that was a, 
yeah, for sure. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a big, big difference in my life, but look, there was other things. I think one thing that definitely helped me in this process, I could never, I never remembered the attack. Like I never had any memory of it. Never couldn't, you know, could never go there. There was a, everything was vague from the entire evening. I don't even, I, I can't, I couldn't even tell you, I knew the bar I was in because I knew the bar and it was obviously part of the story and the court case and everything else. But, uh, I had no memory. And when I started to unravel the trauma, I went back to, I did a, uh, it was a, a lot of neurofeedback. I did a course called 40 years of Zen mm-hmm. and they put you in these pods and you do the the trauma release. And in that moment, I saw it clear as day was, you know, the, the guys and I was shaking. And I remember you could, I could see so much of it. I could see the street. I could see, you know, there was a friend that was with me at the time when the attack happened and he ran and he didn't, it wasn't his fault. He ran, he ran to try and call for help. I remembered so much of it, which I needed to remember to be able to let it go. And I also needed to, you know, and this annoys a lot of people, I think this process, but I needed to forgive them. You know, I needed I to ask that. let yeah. go of it a hundred percent. I just got goosebumps. Um, Um, is, I feel oh. like that's like the fact that you just like had that moment does show like how profound that was for you when you, you know, worked through actually having to see it again. Like it, it, that had to have been a really, really emotional process. Um, oh, sorry. No, don't apologize. Um, no, no, but that's where, but like genuinely I, I had to, I, I, do, I do, I've got nothing against those guys at all. Like truly. Have you faced them? Which is I, mental. I, no, the no, I've never, anything? I actually, no, they came, they, they were released. Um, mm-hmm. and and this will, this is, this is not like, I wish there was a happier ending to the story. Um, but one of the guys, the main guy that attacked me just so crazy, but I never really go back. I go back to my hometown, but I never really have any desire to do anything. Like I just, it's just part of my choice, right? I'm not scared, but I just don't want to go to a pub or anything around the area. Right. And I went back for one new year's about six years ago and I was meant to go somewhere else. And I decided to spend it with my parents and they booked a lovely little country pub kind of in the middle of nowhere. And we said, we'd see the new year in together. And we sat at the table and right there was the guy. (gasps) <gasps> Danny, his name is. I say his first name. Yeah, and he was there with with his girlfriend that was also the girlfriend that was at the court case. And my mum saw them too. Oh my god! And I looked at him and I thought, I wonder if this is where I'm meant to let it yeah. go. And he just like looked at me and gave a like fuck it, like that. And it was it. There was no there was no remorse, no nothing. Um, oh, so he knew exactly. Yeah, who it, you it were. wasn't it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it wasn't. There was no. There was no uh you know remorse or him wanting to make it right but that's his journey you know and that's something he's gonna live with and his own pain and his yeah. own and that i truly like totally yeah and and that's the thing that like and and it's so hard because people have been through a lot worse than i've been through and you know people have lost a friend of mine lost you know lost his son who was a dear friend of mine to a to a drunk driver and uh, you know ch- telling people to forgive people is so hard and it's not yeah. I don't forgive them in a way like I forgive them. And now I think they're great and I want to hang out with them and I want to do that. (laughs) It's more like I I forgive you because I don't know their upbringing. I don't know anything really about them. I don't know the trauma that they might have had behind closed doors. And it's not my place to know, 
Um, but I forgive them just to, yeah, just to let go, to, to move on from my own pain. And that, as I say, it doesn't mean that I'm going to high five the guy and give him a hug. Yeah. Um, but his journey is his journey. And I think that's for me was the biggest part of like remembering it. And, and by the way, when I, when I left that place, I sobbed for about a day. Yeah, I was, I was in like a little hotel room local to in is it was in Seattle and, and I think it was like a, a motel six or something. The only place we stayed in the area. Um, and I just remember getting back to the room and I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And it was like, it was such a release for me to just let go of like the, the anger. Cause I think yeah. anger and fear are so correlated, right? You're angry. Anger, anger is really, at least in my experience, normally when I'm angry, it's cause I'm scared of something, you know? Um, yeah. or, you know, it's, there's, there's a, there's a di- direct, like feeling like connected there. And, and I think for me, it was like letting it go and just, just like saying goodbye to it. And it was a yeah. chapter of my life. And from that day, I've got more comfortable talking about it. And I don't, you know, yeah. I don't normally tear up. Um, but in moments I do, and it's, 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 yeah, it's just like, that 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 forgiveness part is is you know self-forgiveness and forgiving others is is so powerful i remember a time in my life when springtime would hit and immediately i would be searching for a new trainer or googling all of the seven day juice cleanse 14 day detoxes so that i could get myself in shape for summer and what i didn't realize at this time was that all of that was a complete waste of my time, of my energy, of my resources. And I look back on that, just wishing for those hours and all of that energy and brain power back. The decisions that I was making for my body were coming from a place of punishment rather than from a place of love. And it wasn't until I started meditating and I started doing the work, the real work on myself that I recognized that I needed to nourish my body with both movement and food and mindset work if I ever wanted my body to love me back in a sustainable way. And that's why the WBK membership that I release meditations where I deeply connect you with yourself and blood sugar balancing recipes to nourish you on a cellular level and low impact movement to support the delicate balance of your hormones really gets you the results that you're looking for, where it starts to become a lifestyle. It starts to become who you are. I can tell you firsthand that both myself and my members, my private clients, all of us have seen the most incredible results from the WBK method. It's so different than your typical diet and a restrictive approach that we're taught from diet culture from a very early age. As a 33-year-old mom of two, this is the leanest I've ever been, the most energy that I've ever had, and the best that I have ever felt in my freaking body. And it can be that way for you too. So right now, with the code Balancing Chaos, all one word, B-A-L-A-N-C-I-N-G-C-H-A-O-S, you can get 10% off your annual membership for the WBK method and get new weekly content, plus a library of hundreds of workouts, recipes, meditations, with a seven-day reset and a 30-day challenge, all to get you started. So use the code BALANCINGCHAOS, again, all one word, to start your seven-day free trial and see when you love your body back, 
how your body starts to love you. Was there a period you went through where it was more vengeance based where you not had, you, you know what I mean? If you wanted, context, like... But you had fantasies about <laughs> oh, hurting yeah. them. And like, if I, oh, if I get course. back at them, then I'll be happy. Of course you did. Right. Yeah. Tell yeah, us about that. I have three older brothers. I have three older yeah. brothers and my dad. I mean, I was like, I yeah. think they all went out, you know, at some yeah. point during looking for him between, yeah. you know, there and the court case looking for him. And I, I, I remember crying to my dad, begging him not to do something stupid because he wanted, yeah. my dad wanted to kill it, you know? Yeah. And I, yeah. I didn't want that did. guilt. I didn't want my dad doing something. And then, me living with that for the rest of my life. And yeah. and so, of course, it wasn't like, it wasn't an instant like, oh, he did this, but I understand where he came from. No, I was like, oh, I fucking hated the guy. Yeah. And years and years and years and years. I'm talking like, that happened at 18. I did this course when I was four years ago, 37. Yeah. yeah. It sounds to me almost like that experience of like running into him at the, you know, at the pub. It, is like, it, it was almost like a blessing in disguise. Like, for you to be able to like forgive and heal and let go. Um, so two things based on that, like one, do you, I guess, do you see it that way? And like, tell you kind of touched on it, but like, did your course that you took say, you know, why the forgiveness piece is such an important piece of this puzzle in terms of like giving you the capacity to be able to, let go and when you did relive the trauma of it all like once you did be able like once you were able to see it happening was that through like hypnosis or like how did you go what was that like process like for you the 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 way they got me to a state of and i'll probably ruin because as you probably guessed from the first part of our interview i'm not like a scientist or anything so my like (laughs) british layman terms um that's usually better yeah, brainwaves like alpha, beta, one of them. One uh-huh. of them puts you into like a state of, uh, as I say, a state of something. Yeah. That deeper makes consciousness, you yeah. Deeper consciousness, but it's the it's the one that's more linked to you being able to go to that state of forgiveness or whatever, like compassion, like the one that's oh. directly. So, and the whole course is like, even the food they feed you and the supplements you're getting is to help you in these pods get to this, these moments. And I kid you not, this, the day two, I was like, well, this was a waste of money and time. Like people were having like, you know, moments and I just couldn't get there. And it was on the third day that I started to really go to this place. Um, so yeah, the memory, the memory of it happening helps. Mm-hmm. And then the way they would do it, I, I guess I'll tell you the, the, the quick version of the process, but you have the memory. And then as soon as you've had the memory and you've remembered what happened, you, you have your safe space, which mine was the ocean and you picture the guy or the guys one at a time coming out towards you. So that my mind came out the ocean, walk out the ocean, um, which sounds like a scene from Baywatch, but there was nothing <laughs> like it. Um, and, uh, and they came towards me and, and I had, I had that conversation, like direct conversation with them. Like, you know, um, yeah. you're not part of my life anymore, but you know, I, I forgive you and, and you, 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 you know, I don't know your upbringing and you did what you felt was acceptable, but it wasn't. And I'm fucking angry at you. And I, you caused me pain. And I said everything I wanted to say, like, it isn't a, it isn't like, as I say, there's, you, you let it out and you're like, what you did was so wrong. You caused me pain. You caused my family pain, all that part of it. But at the end of it, it's like, but I have to let you go. And you, you know, then you watch them leave and they go away. 
and that's Are you talking to someone today. during this um, you're like talking to no, someone you see, you're, you, you, no you're in a pod on your own it's okay. in your mind yeah so you just Which, yeah I feel like this would be a really cool having... experience for somebody, not cool, but like a good experience for anyone who, like I'm specifically thinking about a client of mine who, um, you know, went through a, a very severe trauma during childhood, like with a step parent. And it's like, I feel like this, it sounds, is, is it three, it's a three day course. It's a five day course. It's, it's exactly course. for, for that as well. There was someone on the course, you know, obviously everything's kept extremely confidential but you know there was people from all walks of life there was on my week there was a lady from who worked in homicide Mm. for for years and years and years and years and she needed to like let go of some of what she had seen Mm -hmm. and some of these people through the years and it was it was it, it was incredible it was incredible it's uh yeah it's it's that same technique but that's where i i really like think people hear it wrong when you're like you have to forgive them and look, it, and I, I genuinely try and use it in everything in life. Like I just, I, I lost it with a guy yesterday, um, a manager in a restaurant because he was a bit rude. And I went and, you know, had a few words and yeah. I sat back down and within like three minutes, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. And I just went over to him and I said, mate, listen, I'm so sorry. You, you, you know, even though I didn't agree with the way you came and spoke to me, yeah. you didn't deserve that reaction and blah, blah. And in all honesty, that wasn't for him. That wasn't because I now think the guy's great and I'm going to invite him out for dinner. That was just because if I didn't do it, it would have sat with me wrong. Yeah. The only person that would have suffered was yeah. me. Yeah. Yes, so um, true. So it's that kind of like, you know, what is it people say? Uh, carrying a resentment is like uh, drinking poison, but expecting someone else to suffer. <laughs> well, yeah. I've never heard that before. And it is so, but that's so true. It's like you're literally just walking around with this like bag of bricks that it's like, it's, yeah. it's completely your choice, whether or not yeah, you yeah. get yeah. to release that. And then like, whether or not going down the road, it's going to be something that, that triggers you just all from that. Again, like that place of awareness. So if you don't release trauma, it'll run your emotions for totally. the rest of your life. Totally. Yeah. So I mean, and it all- was, and it was, and it was like, yeah. that was, that was my life. My twenties were a write off. I thought it was so good. I thought yeah. my twenties, at the time I was crushing it. I was sick. I was sick, you know, yeah. like looking back, I was sick and I was using everything from, you know, twenties and thirties from like, you know, whether it was alcohol or drinking or drugs or relationships mm-hmm. or everything to just try and desperately feel different. Yeah. And that became normal to me, you know? Um, and it was, all, than, it was all what was just. Rather than feeling the feelings and like moving yeah. through them. It was like suppressing the feelings and then do you think you're on a path to ending your life, hurting yourself? Am I now? Were you you. back then? Oh, I was was like, no, not now, brother. (laughs) Check it with me tomorrow. (laughs) Um, uh, I, um, I, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I was, I was, I guess, you know, we've been pretty, uh, open in this in this interview uh i was i was there i was as close as it came for sure i was as close as it came there was a there was one night never told i've never told this outside of a therapist um but maybe it will inspire someone um i there was one night i was ready to do it um i thought about hanging myself i wrote my parents an email um and said goodbye and uh and 
I forgot that I did it. And I, I, I remember trying to do it and the, it just didn't work. And I went up to my bedroom emotional and I guess I fell asleep. Yeah. And what I, what, what happened is my brother's a policeman in the UK, three older brothers, the next one up. And my parents had got the email and obviously lost their mind and called my brother, Chris. And he contact he called the LAPD and everything else. And so I woke up to policemen bashing the door in mm-hmm. um, of my house. Wow. So, yeah. Um, and you know what? I, I'm telling that because maybe I should tell it because if there's someone that listens to this that's in that place, like, it does get better. Um, yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, but but. But it, but in that but in that moment, uh, yeah, I was. Just, I, I don't know. I don't know how. It, I've lost friends to suicide. I've lost friends, and I. It wasn't. It wasn't any more a fantasy. It was real. Like it was like yeah. I was ready. I was so close. I was so close. So is um, that a catalyst so yeah, for you? It was, it was dark. Was that a catalyst for you to for sure? Okay. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to die, but sadly, yeah. like the mind is crazy like that, right? And I think that's where suicide and. And people try and understand why someone did something. When you look at it from an outside, and you're like, but they had this, they had that. The mm-hmm. mind can take you there in seconds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In moments. And it's that moment that, like, you know, maybe if people could come back, they, would have, they wouldn't do it. But it's, it's that moment. And that, for me, was, I mean, yeah, it's, it was horrific. And I'm, I'm, I'm so, like, you know, and I've obviously, you know, uh, apologized numerous times to my parents about, that and everything else and i never want to cause them pain like that again and, and yeah. everything else and it's uh it's it's horrible but yeah for sure it was for sure i was on a path to that i mean that's how close it got and it was it was horrible it was a horrible horrible time in my life and at the time i thought it was a breakup that got me there and it was nothing to do with the breakup it was the path that i was on because for for as long as this duration of you know childhood to there i'd never dealt with any of it and yeah. it was just a that's like a that's like a path of destruction, you know? And that's why I think, you know, we spoke about it already, but as humans, we do this, we do this. It's, it's, it's a real dangerous way of living, you know? Yeah. Um, Cause well, eventually sure. you explode. No. Thanks yeah. Sure. And I think it, I think it will. Help yeah. Just cut that bit out. But thanks for sharing. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> Especially just seeing where you are now and, and not only, you know, how far you've come, but the real takeaway is like, everything's a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. Everyone is, but it can get better. And there I are the ways. the real takeaway is to recognize that like, no matter who you are, no matter what you have, if you are an actor with a beautiful career or a mom with amazing family, you never know what someone is going through. Mm-hmm. on inside and so to treat everyone with kindness and with Mm -hmm. like compassion and understanding no matter who they are because like you you really don't know and i think that what this story also provides like chad said is a big sense of hope for people because if you're willing to put in the work and like actually look at your shit you're gonna come out on the other side so much stronger like your energy like you are a very like happy person like you are very like like you're yeah, so yeah. fun to interview like and it's yeah. it you know if i wouldn't have known the story like i wouldn't have known that that was something that you had ever been through like that dark point and so um right. it is a, a lot of hope here so i appreciate you kind of going through that and sharing it because i think it is really going to be profound for our listeners one thing like just like a quick like 
high level thing because I want people to know if as a resource and we can put it in the show notes, what is the name of that course that you did again? It's called 40 years of Zen, 40 years of Zen, 40 years. So that I guess the, uh, the, 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 the courses that have helped me, uh, you know, Hoffman Institute. Yeah. He told me about that. I did end of last year. That was amazing. Uh, 40 years of Zen was amazing. The Hoffman Institute I love because it was, it was, the, the cost isn't crazy. You know, I will say 40 years of Zen isn't, you know, doable for everyone. Um, but there are versions of that that you can do. The neurofeedback EMDR is really what they, they do there. Um, and there's, you know, I've seen that become a lot more mainstream and a lot more affordable in places. And and that's, that's around. Um, but really the, the, the daily things that we spoke about are what helped me now, because that's the thing. Like we are talking all jokes aside, like we're talking now and I might go to dinner tonight and have a great evening. There's nothing wrong. And suddenly my mind wants to tell me you're 41, you know, whatever the reason is like it, it could be career at one point. It could be like, your, your movies are shit, you know, um, it could be, um, it could be you're, you're 41, you're not married yet and you don't have, whatever it is, that is just my mind. And I don't think I'm ever going to be uh, perfect and suddenly this, but that's okay. The difference is, is it's a set of scales for me now. And now it's like the negativity is down here and the, the positivity is up there. And the more I can just keep it there, I'm fine with that. I don't expect it to just disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think at times when I thought it was going to disappear, that was even worse because mm. then when it would come, it would be a big panic and it'd be like, <gasps> it's back. Why do I, why am I, why am I doing that again? You know, why am I here again? I thought I was fine. I thought I was fixed. And I think that's a, at least for me, it's a delusional way of living. You know, I um, could not agree with you more. I mean, uh, our listeners know this, but like I was somebody who in college, you know, dealt with a really bad eating disorder for like the better part of a decade. And for, for me, I hear people on Instagram who they'll be like, Oh, I had an eating disorder. And like, now I'm completely healed. And like, I never have thoughts about food or my body ever at all. And it's like, that's just bullshit. Like it is, it's like, if you went through some sort of a trauma, no matter what it is, there are going to be things that come up or comments that people say, or like experiences that happen that trigger you. And it's just how you healing is how you deal with the triggers going forward. And so it's like, if somebody says something about my body, am I now going to go on some like 800 calorie a day diet? No, I'm not. It's still going to feel shitty though. And like, I don't want to experience that. So I think that uh, having people know that like, it doesn't go away. It's just about how you manage it going forward is, is I feel like it's human and it's reassuring. It's the beauty of life. Cause yeah. You know, there's highs and lows. There has to be, and you you learn to really enjoy the highs, and you learn to, you know, work through things. Work. You through have things. to have lows, and you have to have trauma, and you have to have all that to experience. You know, the beauty of the short life that we all live. Yeah. 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 This in itself, I will say, this what's happening now, that is advice I would give to people. Find find a couple of people in your life that you are com- doesn't not prof- it doesn't even have to be professional. Just find people that you can open up to and be comfortable doing it right? because it's better out than in, you know, like talking is talking is magical when you talk it out loud, when you let your feelings out and become comfortable talking about it. And if you're around people that you don't feel comfortable talking about your feelings to you're with the wrong people. Have you convinced the people closest to you, your parents to take on things like therapy and try the, these things? Hell no. (laughs) 
Yeah, they're <laughs> those, they're hardened. The uh, the no, older folks. <laughs> my dad's my dad's got arthritis. I've sent him a red light. I've sent him a Normatec. I've sent him CBD cream. I've sent him <laughs> compression socks. I've sent him everything. Yeah. Nothing. I sent him yeah. turmeric. I've done whatever it is. They're yeah. their way, and I love them for who they are. And it's a different generation. My brother, um, the one who's above me, has been to therapy for some stuff, and yeah, you know he's a he was a. He was a, uh, a suicide prevention officer. He was a hostage negotiator policeman, then hostage oh, negotiator, wow. and then suicide prevention officer. And he used to have to talk people off of a cliff, literally a cliff, um, and watch people die or live. Um, and so finally, in the UK police force, they have therapists available, yeah. now, which, believe it or not, they didn't used to. Um, yeah, which it. is, you know, yeah. it's 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 it, it, things are changing for sure and i think things are changing g- generally because of people like you as well because you're putting the word out there that it's okay to not be okay and it's okay yeah. to talk about it and it's okay to be open about it and i mean look generally i only told that story because i felt i was comfortable in this moment talking about it publicly which is the first time in my life i've told it um so i think the more we can do that and the more make people feel safe to be to be open i think we would live in a less judgmental world Oh my gosh, and a yes. less like point point in the finger world because we'd all realize we're all a bit fucked. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's right. We are all human, and I think that that's what these conversations do. Like you said, they like they they humanize us and they allow us to be vulnerable. And when we can see that everyone there is this common humanity, and we're all going through similar shit, um, we f- have a little bit more compassion for ourselves, and and that feels mm-hmm. really good. Um, the one thing that I want to wrap up with based on what Chad had just asked you about, you know, other people and then following your path. One of the things that I hear a lot from friends or clients or whatever, whoever it is, is this idea of, okay, well, I'm taking this path now of healing and I'm taking this path of therapy, coaching, diet, like a new diet, whatever it is, like all the, no alcohol, all of the things. But then my dad's not on board. My husband's not on board. My best friend. Br- best friend is not on board. And like, they're not doing the stuff that I'm doing. How or giving a shit for or it. Or if they're giving, yeah. yeah or, if they're, or they might be judging me for yeah. it. Um, how do you, or did you cope with that? And how do you know that like, okay, regardless of what anyone outside of me thinks, I'm going to, I'm going to do me. Uh, it's been a challenge to get there. You know, I think we all care what others think, even when we think we don't care what others think. It's just <laughs> part of, once again, like human nature. And look, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a blessing and a curse. I don't want to be someone that doesn't care about anyone or what they think. I think right. it's like a you have to find a balance in your own life. But like an example I'll use is like, you know, I did, I did suffer and I, I didn't grow up an alcoholic. I didn't have alcoholism in my family, but like for a good chunk of my life, I drank I drank to cure my problems, right? I drank over them. I drank to cover up the trauma. And then that didn't work out well for me. And so there were so many times that I wanted to give up drinking. Um, And I would try so many things, but my best friend, still one of my best, still my best friend, um, could never grasp it. And, 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 And so many people around me could never grasp it. They'd be like, oh, you're so much fun when you drink. But they didn't know any of the real reason of why I was doing it or, or anything else. And I used to constantly continue to drink for other people. It took me to a place where eventually I had to just be like, this is for me. 
and the rest works itself out. Like truly it's your journey. It is your, this is your life. You're, 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 you're controlling every part of your life, really like every part of your life. Um, and the bits you can't control are still your life. Like they're going to present itself when they present itself. And I think you just have to find what works for you. And in the core of your gut, at least for me, I knew what was working and what wasn't working. It was just having that courage to stay on path and stick with it. Mm -hmm. And then you find that that's the way you want to live and the right people are going to fall into place with that journey. The Mm -hmm. the right people will, and the wrong people will fall away. And when you're talking about your family, obviously that's tough because they're still your family. Like I said, my mom and dad still do get, they do, they do understand. I mean, my dad all the time would be like, you know, and look, I don't know what the the future holds. I don't know if we'll be having a conversation in six months and I might be having a glass of Who knows? Like, I don't know. But yeah. what I know now is what works for me. And that's the path I want to be on. And, and, and eventually the right people, it's not their fault because they can't, you can't, how much work do you have to do to understand yourself? You can't expect other people to understand you immediately and, and changes that you make, you can't expect them to understand it because it took you a while to get there. So I think have compassion for that, but just know that if that's the way you want to live and this is how you want to do things, do them and also have forgiveness for yourself when you don't do it perfectly, because that's, that's something as well. You know, I think you have to have the self forgiveness and you know, it's like a, the Hoffman Institute really talks about right road, left road. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if that's how you vision your right road, that's amazing. Stay on your right road. But if at times you veer off to the left, don't fucking beat yourself up. Mm. Just be like, I'm going to get back on the left road. And yeah. because we are human, right? We are, we are all, you know, on this planet and, and we're going to slip up and you're going to make mistakes and don't judge yourself and don't judge others for that same reason, because, yeah. you know, that's it. And like I say, I would love my mom and dad to, to be a bit more into the, you know, the wellness stuff and when they've got health issues and we've clashed at times so much. Cause I'm like, dad fucking like, just turn the red light on. It's 20 minutes a day. Like, or don't drink the bottle of wine when you're on your medicate. Like, but at the same time, that's my dad and that's yeah. his journey. And I love yeah. my dad yeah. and that's, I get on with them so much better when I, when I, when I think like that, even me saying it out loud, I'm like, now I need to really do that though. Because yeah. it's, it's, it's the best way to be and, and focus on yourself, focus on your journey. Let everyone else focus on their journey, share your story, yeah. Maybe it will help, but at the end of the day, it's it's your journey, and and I think that, you know, that's that's what it's about. And I have no idea if my answer just answered your question. I can't no, even remember what the question was. It did. Okay. It did. I think that like the whole point of like just like yes, you want to be. We want to be vulnerable. We want to share with people, but like at the same time, it's like staying in your own lane and like recognizing that yourself. Like. Yeah, like, you know, everyone's going to have their own journey. And like, we can't force people to do the things that we want them to do because that will never lead to a good outcome. But if they can see us doing it and they're like, oh, wow, look at those results. Like, maybe I'm going to give that a try. Like, that's a such a, that's such a better way to go about it. Um, And so I I love And we have to find our own journey. We have to find our own journey. One thing I can definitely say is I had, I have, and I had incredible people around me and a loving family and loving parents and amazing at times, amazing girlfriends and relationships that all, if it was their choice, I would have lived a different way. I had to get there on my own. You yeah. have to get there on your own. You know, you have to dig in yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Right timing. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, a, yeah. a million thank yous, man. Yeah, for Honestly. doing No, I adore you. Truly adore you guys. I can't believe we, by the way, it feels like, I don't know, it sounds cheesy, but like we're so connected. I'm gonna have to, we're going to have to meet in person. We have to you. meet next. Yeah. Absolutely. Next time we're in LA, we would we would love it. So. Yeah. But thank you, seriously, for for being vulnerable, for, for sharing, for trusting us with your with your story. Yeah, it I will help. Someone. I'm probably going to finish my cry after this. <laughs> I'm going to go finish my cry in a minute. This will help. Facetime us. We'll join there, you. So, no, this was this yeah, was yeah, beautiful. Yeah. A You're good, a good cry. Oliver, remember, remind everyone oh. where they can find you um, after this episode if they want to come go follow you yeah, or any of your um, brands. Just, just my Instagram, really. My Instagram, my name, Oliver yeah. Trevina. Okay, and tell us what again. T R E V E N A. And you did yeah. your new movie with Gerard Butler that just came out. Tell us. Yeah, Plane uh, is on is in theaters now. I have a new one coming out with Aaron Eckhart and Nina Dobrev yeah. called The Bricklayer that will be yeah. uh, later this year. Awesome. Um, and Paradox Paradox Effect as well. I just finished, which is with Harvey Keitel and Olga Kurylenko. So watch out yeah. for that as well. Right. We will definitely be seeing all of them. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. We really hope that you enjoyed that episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Wellness by Kelly. And if you're new around here, you can sign up for the WBK seven day free trial where you can get access to all of my low impact workouts, blood sugar balancing, plant based recipes, and guided meditations, all available on wellnessbykelly.com and on the WBK app. Hey, thanks for listening. Please make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also connect with us on social media at Wellness by Kelly. Drop us a DM for who you want to hear from. 